Good morning, fam. Thank you for tuning in to the Yanagita Podcast Show, where on today's episode, we'll be talking about health, fitness, and leadership. I'm your host, Justin Yanagita, with co-host today of Yanagita Fitness's head coach, Tyler Holquist. Dang. And today's guest, we have a special guest, Director of Education of the National Personal Training Institute, my coach and mentor, Chris Williams, who has taught me the foundation of just all of our fitness knowledge. And I want to just give a big hand. So, Chris, welcome to the show. How's everything going, Chris? Thank you for having me, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm uh, honored to be here, and um, I'm honored for the recognition, and I'm so very, very impressed and so very, very proud with what I see you, uh, you boys in Hawaii doing in terms of health and f- fitness and promoting fitness, you know, because it is the panacea, in my opinion, to life. It really is. Dang. Absolutely. And, you know, we have a whole bunch of questions we want to ask you, Chris. And so we were wondering, um, what is your background for the audience? Like, how did you get started in all this? Wow. My background started back in 1990. I, um, I taught physical education back in 1990 in the high school, um, which is the equivalent uh, in the British equivalent is at secondary school. So I taught mm-hmm. physical education and yes. then I became involved in uh, personal training. So I started teaching personal training, <laughs> believe it or not, first of all, to the incarcerated, as mm-hmm. well as to the local community in terms of uh, circuit training and just getting the, the general public uh, healthy. Uh, so I started there. Uh, I went to England. Uh, that's our mother country. So I, I went there to get my education, uh, both my my degree and my two masters and my CSCS, my Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. Mm-hmm. And I continue to teach during the process uh, of having my own business as a freelance personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And then about 11 years ago, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to transfer with my wife and then two kids to the United States, uh, where I took on the same role as I was doing in the UK as a uh, director of education for the National Personal Training Institute in Orlando. So I've always been in some way, shape, or form involved in fitness and or sports. Um, so that's pretty the synopsis, really, of, um, of my kind of travels over the last 30 years in a nutshell. Uh, I've been at the National Personal Training Institute for the last 11 years, where I've been so very fortunate to come into contact with, but also train some amazing people, amazing people that has transferred from here in our educational program to the big wide world, because we are an international school. So we train people from all around the world. And they've gone back to their home countries, to their home states, and they've educated their family, their friends, the wider population in health and fitness. And you know, that's what we're all about. We're about, you know, health and fitness, making people healthy, making people fit. We live longer, we feel good. It improves our self-esteem, it's that collective collaboration of things you know when people talk about fitness it's all about oh i want to change the way i look but often when you change the way you look you're never really satisfied and then it becomes an obsession and it becomes Mm. like a psychological disorder so we try and piece together every entity of one's being to make them whole and to make them satisfied and to make them healthy that's our that's our mission and that's my mission for sure Holy moly. That's the truth bomb, Chris. This is why we love you, man. This is like, this is like preaching fitness gospel right here. So (laughs) going back, (laughs) going back into the origin, before you went to the UK, where was your home uh, country or or origin originally? 
I am an island boy. I was born and bred on the island of St. Helena. So yes, yes. I lived in the British colony for many, many years. Um, St. Helena, for those of you who don't mm -hmm. know, is a very, very small British colony. It's got a population of uh, just under 5,000 people. So pretty much everybody knows everybody and everybody yes. depends on everybody for survival. So for example, if you don't have any, let's say sweet potatoes or potatoes at home, you go to your next door neighbor and he or she will give you some. And then when you have some, you will give it awesome. back. It's the, it's the island life and that's <laughs> the way I was brought up, you know? And so wow. everything that I currently have in life, I've, I'm so very, very grateful for because I was brought up from humble beginnings. Mm. I wasn't brought up from deprived beginnings. I was brought up from humble beginnings, but I didn't know any better because everybody around me was in the same situation. So now that I see how far we've traveled in terms of technology, in terms of all the materialistic stuff, in terms of sports science, in terms of fitness, I look back and I look back at my, my humble beginnings and it gives me the grounding for where I'm currently today. So I'm so very, very grateful for those beginnings for sure. But island life it is. And yeah, what? island life. Right? See, this is why we clicked. Like we had like that island vibe together and you know, I just really love that part and the whole humility. That's the one quality that really drew me in when I was with you, Chris, is I mean, you're a big guy. You're a huge, large human being, <laughs> strong. <laughs> and I mean, you were outlifting us 19, 20 year olds and we're like, what is going on? And, and, but then you're so humble, you know, you're so smart and you're assertive, but then you're equally humble and you carry that humility with you, which is so attractive. Um, I, I, and that's why I think a lot of your students, um, they have that tremendous respect and, and I want to just go into what, where did you train your clients in the past? I know you shared the stories with us, but for the audience, where did you train your clients in, in the past? So uh, back in the UK, I started out in a place called uh, David Lloyd Leisure, which is quite a, an affluent club. And it was, uh, I was very, very successful there mm -hmm. until they reconfigured the payment system. So I went from paying a small rent back in those days. It was about 200 pounds, which equates to, to about $400 a month, which was, mm -hmm. was fantastic. It was manageable. But they brought in a new system where they now took 50% of what I was earning. And indeed, you know, when somebody's taken 50% of your hard earnings of your promotion and of what you are about, it's very, very yes. hard to digest. So Absolutely. I made an informed decision to leave and, and a lot of my clients left with me. So I then started to back away from the David Lloyd and I started to train clients on the outside. So I had mobile fitness uh, so mm. to speak, a bit like what you guys have nowadays. So I was very versatile and I was fortunate that a lot of the people came with me. So I then started to also get more involved in sports specific conditioning. So mm -hmm. I trained the London Towers basketball team. I did Crystal right. Palace football club. So mm -hmm. I, I went into different, um, different settings to make myself known. And ultimately mm -hmm. in the process, I also continued with my education because I think in health and fitness and in sports science, you never fully learn all there is to learn. It evolves yes. so very quickly. It changes so very, very quickly. And our job as fitness professionals is to make sure that we keep abreast of the latest mm. and greatest so we got that great up-to-date information that we can relate to our clients. You know, nobody wants to be trained by somebody who is not on board with the latest in health concepts, in sports science, in sports mm -hmm. medicine. So it's Amen. our job too. And so, so that's kind of 
where, where I left it. And then I went into the college educational system over there because I'd come from education, college, come back yeah. into education. And uh, I became the program manager for the sport and exercise science department up at a place called Hartford Regional College. And I stayed there for probably about nine or 10 years before I transferred here. So it's been personal training in whatever way, shape or form has always been an integral part of my life. And, you know, to date, it has given me richness. And when I say richness, I don't want our audience to misconstrue what I'm saying. My richness is my health. And so as a 50-year-old, you know, I can still run around my three-year-old, my 13-year-old, and my 20-year-old, you know, and, and that gives me great pleasure in saying that. But there's Absolutely. nothing that I cannot do with them from a physical standpoint because I don't smoke, I don't drink. Those are choices that I make, and I'm okay with that. I don't participate in anything that's, you know, untoward. So I live a, a healthy life, and I do it because I choose to do it, and I enjoy to do it. And my family and my students and my friends can also, like me, reap the rewards of it. So it's, a, it's an all-encompassing scenario as far as I'm concerned. That is awesome about the family and how you're so committed to your lifestyle, your health and fitness and that mindset philosophy. And Chris, going into that, I, I was curious, um, how did you keep your clients motivated? I know you were sharing that you trained at different areas. And even that when we were there, you shared this one, uh, one senior uh, elderly woman that you were training with at her home and you Correct. worked with her. How did you keep your people and your clients motivated during tough times? I think as a personal trainer, first and foremost, when you come into contact with a client, you've got to establish a kind of a, a superficial, so to speak, psychological profile. So mm -hmm. you can automatically see who is the intrinsically motivated and who is extrinsically motivated. Now, I'm not for a second suggesting that if you're in extrinsically motivated, you know, you don't bother and you don't give that person you all. I see it quite the opposite. If somebody came, mm -hmm. came to me and says, you know what, Chris, I'm only here because my husband or my wife is going to buy me a car if I lose 20 <laughs> pounds. And that right. for me is an impetus to say, well, okay, <laughs> your mindset is very extrinsic right now, or I should say or, um, extrinsic in terms of reward base, but yes. I'm going to change. I'm going to change the way you think. And you have come to me and now I'm going to empower you through my education and my processes to be able to see the true value of health and fitness for what it is rather than you seeing it as a short-term thing in your life that ends with a reward. So that's my approach. My next approach is this, when it comes to keeping clients, and all my clients um, to this very day still get in contact with me. Uh, I train clients for 11, 12, 13, 14 years. I mean, that in itself, I think, is a wonderful statement of their commitment, but also I like to think in some, some respects, it's also a reflection of how um, honest I was with them, how straightforward and how I operated with them. So I always, you know, treat my clients as gold dust. If somebody gives mm. me the opportunity and if somebody trusts yes. me with their life, mm. okay, then I'm going to do all that I can within my scope of practice as a fitness professional to make sure I deliver the goods. Results wow. in our business is motivation. And one of the key things that people don't recognize is that motivation comes in different forms, in many, many different forms. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like the word transformation. Mm -hmm. We as personal trainers and fitness professionals, we are transformers. We're transformers in the regard that we will take somebody who has got psychological issues and get them off medication, and now they are cured to some degree. We yes. will take people 
who are um, unhealthy and make them better. We'll take people that was, let's say, biomechanically or mechanically not moving very well because they were in pain, and we will take away the pain. So the word transformation is integral to my belief system as both a motivator and an educator with regards to fitness. And that's how you keep your clients on board. You keep them on board because you get results. And yes. results, like I said, comes in many different forms. A result to you might be a different result to somebody else. But I think we need to get away from results just being aesthetic driven. When you are driven by the obsession to just want to change the way you look. So you look great, but you've got body image dysmorphia, whether you're a man or a woman. You know, I often look at these magazines, boys, and, I, and this is what I see. I see us as the general population aspiring to be like the cover girl and boy on that magazine. Mm. So we look at that boy on that magazine or that man, and he is absolutely ripped, muscles everywhere, six pack, mm -hmm. but we're looking and aspiring to be like somebody who's probably taken anabolic steroids. Mm -hmm. So this particular individual has got body image dysmorphia and psychological issues. You look at the lady, a size zero. Oh, we want to be like that, a size zero. But the same lady is probably something from anorexia or forms of bulimia or other subtypes. So mm. we clearly need to get out there as fitness professionals and we clearly need to educate these people that really results is not just about how you look. It's about the total package in terms of your psychology and your overall well-being, to be fair. I love that, Chris. And that is why you're blowing my mind, Chris. Like this is like... <laughs> this is exactly the reason why we're so thankful to have had you as our instructor, our mentor, and just that figure role in our life when we were 19, 20 years old. With that thought process, like what you were saying, body dysmorphia, bodybuilding, that's the only way to do fitness is bodybuilding. And, you know, so I really, really, really appreciate that because we're going to go into this later, but our book that we authored fighting sickness with fitness comes from that philosophy that transformation and health looks different for de depending on the individual. And I love that. And I know Tyler has some questions. Uh, Tyler, what are some questions uh, you wanted to fire away, man? Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, Chris. Good seeing you. Uh, one of the questions that uh, I wanted to pass on to you is if you had a couple words of wisdom, what would you want to pass on to the current and future generations when it comes to not only fitness, health, and mindset, and your philosophy of life itself? Wow, that is a good question, and it's one that caught me off guard, but I like it. <laughs> I, I think first and foremost, <laughs> first and foremost, recognize this, that you're getting into a profession that's life-changing. I think one of the misconceptions is that you get in this profession to become rich overnight and it doesn't happen okay for the most part you get into this profession because you want to help people and within helping people you got to have that genuine want to help people so my first word would be or words would be be genuine because it's not enough of it today mm. okay people will tell you what you want to hear mm. or what you want to see because it either massages their ego and it makes them feel happy I'm a straightforward guy. You have mm -hmm. the choice to consult with me and you have an informed choice to either choose me or not as your personal trainer. But in the process, I will always tell you where I stand with you in regards to, are you training hard enough? Are you committed? Are we in this 
relationship, reciprocal relationship, whereby I'm giving it all, but you're giving me nothing. So mm. be genuine, be honest, okay? But wow. in my opinion, you're talking to the already converted. I'm very, very biased about this profession. So mm. I want people who are going to embrace the new age concepts of training. I want to encourage people to come into this profession and realize that it's not just about on Mondays, it's chest and biceps, but to realize that, you know what? I want to make people metabolically active. I want to make people lose weight so they become, don't become obese. They don't have high rates of inflammatory responses. It doesn't lead to heart disease. It doesn't lead to osteoarthritis. You know, God, it doesn't lead to COVID-19. I mean, mm. these are the type of things. We're living in an age now, especially with this pandemic. And let's face it, there are several pandemics happening at the same time. I know COVID-19 gets the recognition, but how about mm. childhood obesity? Is that not a pandemic? Yes, how absolutely. about obesity in the wider population? Is that not a pandemic? Of course it is. And in the process of, of people being obese, through their choices, for the most part, there are some hormonal issues. I totally understand that. But for the most part, people make a decision not to eat or exercise directly. And as a consequence, that level of, of obesity just cascades into a multitude of other things. So make sure when you come on board and you join our profession, make sure that you are genuine, make sure that you're honest, but make sure that you are willing to educate yourself so that you know how to deal with everybody that comes to you for your service. I think that's the key thing. If you come on board and you came to our school and you are already not receptive and very, very cocooned into a one-dimensional axis of what you think it should be, mm. then you're no good to me because you don't, you don't allow Ooh. me as a teacher to allow, you don't allow me to help you. Mm. So you got to be open-minded <laughs> too, okay? Love that. Oh my goodness, Chris. Dang, genuine honesty, embracing the new age, open-mindedness, metabolically active, and lowering health conditions. Dang, Chris, that was strong <laughs> stuff. Dang, like... Thank you, boys. And I'm just curious, Chris, like a person like you, a man like you, doesn't just happen overnight. What are, I, 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 we know some of your routines and your rituals when we were there. We're curious. Oh, we love this word and how you say it, the catharsis. It sounds so beautiful with your accent, catharsis. So we're curious, Chris, what are your catharsis at this moment? Do you have some sort of routine that you follow for your own health and fitness currently? Yeah, I, I do. And my wife will vouch for this. But within the context of a week, I train myself five days a week. That is my catharsis. Mm. It still is my catharsis. But away from my profession, I like to go fishing. I like to go to the park with my kids. My middle daughter, who is now 13, she's a, a, a pretty good tennis player. So oh, I, 13, I am man. now formally employed as the strength and conditioning coach to my daughter, which I am yes. absolutely loving. Okay, yes. so, you know, we'll watch this space, so to speak, but, but you have to have a catharsis and you have to have a release. I think, you know, no matter what it is, it should be your own personal choice. But in essence, what it does is it helps reduce the stress that's in your life. For example, my wife will say to me, I think you need to go into the gym and train because you seem a little agitated and she mm. knows my triggers. So I go to the gym for 20, 30 minutes. 
Okay, I have my own little workout, just a little kettlebell or whatever, and then I'm absolutely fine. So you could consider it a bit of an addiction, I guess, as well. But I'm okay with that. It's an addiction that I prefer to have than not have. Okay, so, so my catharsis, just like everybody else's, should be individually tailored for their release of what they need and the circumstances that is imposed upon them at that moment in time, for sure. That's what I do. Love it. Hey, you know, Chris, one of the things that really caught me when I was, when, when we were at NPTI was there was a point when you were asking us to come work out with you just to kind of see what, what you do in the morning. It's like, oh yeah, you know, the, you know, this is what I do in the morning to, I, I don't bother my family. I wake up early, I work out and then I start class and then I go home and let the kids. And I had so much, I have so much respect for that, Chris, because I, back before then, waking up early was like not anything to me. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to wake up at seven, you know, rush out of bed. And, you know, as a 19, 20 year old. And it was, I remember this one moment we came in, I think it was like 530 or something like that, 536 o'clock. And you're already on the elliptical. You're going after it. I'm like, wow. And then you were, you were banging out bench press with some, a lot of wheels on them, some weights. I'm like, dang, like, this is a role model. And speaking of role model, like, you know, what are your thoughts in terms of like leadership and being an example? Because you certainly embody those qualities from leading by example, having the humility, speaking up when you need to speak up and just so many great qualities. What are your thoughts on that? Was that something that you innately had or something like you got taught or mentored? I don't think I ever set out with the with, with the, the the kind of concept of ever wanting to be a role model. I, I don't really sit down and say, oh, I want to be a role model. I think I'm fortunate that I'm in the position to teach people, and there are people that would like me or love me, and there are people that will hate me, and that's totally their decision. I'm fine either way. But if in the process of me being a teacher of health and fitness, I can also teach you things about life experience. I can teach you things about being a good humanitarian. Then I like to do that. And if people want to say, oh, you know, you're a great mentor or whatever the case may be, I'm, I am absolutely flattered by that. But I never set out with that. I think it's easier as you get older to kind of be able to decipher the things that's good in life and around you and then be able to relate that to the people that you come into contact with as opposed to being younger. And there's no, no disrespect to being younger, but you don't have the life experience to be able to call back or fall back on experience that previously you, you had, but weren't very good. And so I think that's, it, it, it's kind of a life thing and a life experience thing, I think, uh, in my opinion. Well, for me anyway, I do yes. look back, you know, you talk about role models and I gotta be perfectly honest, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go down with the audience, but there's not yeah. too many people in health and fitness that I fully respect. Um, mm. I just have about a handful of people uh, that I really, really, really wholeheartedly respect and people that I know. I mean, I mean, there's mm -hmm. people, I read loads of literature on people that I don't know and I re fully respect their research. So I don't want to take it out of context, but you know, going back for me, my mentor was professor Craig Sharp of Brunel university. He was a mm. man that, I absolutely adored, and I adored him because he was a professor. He came over to study human physiology and exercise physiology, I believe back in the 1960s. Uh, formerly, he came from a veterinarian background, and uh, he was one of these people that was so very educated, but so very humble. So when we would go into university and we were sitting in the cafeteria, 
he would come and sit down with us. You know, he wouldn't associate with his own doctors and professors. He was very, very humble. But he was also very, very willing to divulge his education, his experience, and his information. And there's that non-selfish attitude that I think mm. kind of triggered me to say, I'm going to give you everything that I know. I'm going to relay every experience that I know so that when you guys leave my school, our school, you are not going to replicate any of the things that was adverse to me. Mm. And I think that's, that's key. Wow. And see, like, this is the conviction and the heart, Chris, that we could feel when we were there. Like, you would really take care of us. You would work with us. You would literally eat lunch with us, sit next to us, talk to us, work out with us, sweat with us. I mean, it was like, wow. We're, I mean, I can't even, like, recall all of the blessings and the memories from the sprints to working out at the parks to the lunches we had together, the early morning workouts. And just even just just watching how you poured your whole heart into us and not only us, but all the other students as well, too. And that is something that is just I just have so much respect for. And so, Tyler, I know you had a couple more questions you wanted to fire away. Uh, yeah, of course. So one of the things I wanted to ask in in your personal opinion, what is uh, one of the hardest parts about being a personal trainer? One of the hardest parts about being a personal trainer. Wow. Okay. Um, I think people think that it's a lot of sales involved. And I think people will say, well, do you know what? I love training people, but I find it hard to generate a sale. I don't necessarily agree with that. I got to be perfectly honest. I think if you've got formal education in this profession, your education and your knowledge when you talk to people will come across in such an eloquent manner in such an intellectual manner that that in itself will seal the deal. So I think most people find it hard with sales to be perfectly honest. But like I said, if you have the necessary foundation and education, and when I say education, mm. I mean formal education. I don't mean yes. reading a book and taking yes. an exam. Okay. And I have to stress that because yes. reading a book and taking an exam tells me that you know some stuff. I don't care if you know stuff. I want you to understand stuff. So when you have formal education, what you have is you have the ability to understand, decipher, dilute, and you have the ability to understand its impact on the people that you train. And that's what hands-on education is about. So I'm sorry if I'm you know, barking up people who've got online certs, and I don't mean to be disrespectful and welcome to our industry, and we're glad to have you, <laughs> but there is a clear distinction to be made. So when you are telling me that a formal, uh, formal diploma in a higher education institute is of a lesser value than an online cert, there is mm. something fundamentally wrong with the educational system in this profession, okay? Wow. Yes, definitely. That couldn't agree with you on that one. Uh, another thing I want to ask you would be a couple, maybe one or two common myths that you've been hearing recently about when it comes to training or nutrition that you might have heard. Mm. <laughs> there are so many. Oh my goodness. I've heard about, you know, it's quite funny because I've heard these so-called self-professed fitness guru has gone on TV and says, yes, what we're going to do is we're going to turn your fat into muscle. And I'm thinking, wow, good luck with that. I mean, really? You know, fat is fat, muscle is muscle. These are, you know, some of the things. I think 
One of the other things that are more prominent in England, and that's where we, we see the cultural differences, is that females over there tend to shy away from doing resistance training more, feeling that they're going to get too bulky and too muscular. I think that's one of the, the major kind of myths that I, I saw over there. Another one that I, I come across quite a lot is um, don't give kids resistance training because it will stop their growth. Uh, there is no, I mean, that's just complete utter nonsense. From a scientific standpoint, it really, really is. Now, if you said, hey, well, I'm not going to give you heavy weights because it indeed, you know, might cause you to become injured, I can fully understand. But you cannot quantify cause and effect with regards to giving a kid resistance training as to how much it's going to stunt their stature. It's, 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 it's just ludicrous. So those are the primary ones that I, that I often hear for sure. Dang. Oh, yes. Those are, that's really good. Uh, I could definitely agree with you on the many, many common myths when it comes to training, nutrition, the list goes on that I've heard, but also even the, let's say the lack of education of a lot of people on just like basic anatomy, basic nutrition, mm -hmm. basic health. Um, these are things that I'm surprised that a lot of people typically don't know when they're even coming out of college sometimes because either that they didn't take the course or maybe they just we're paying attention in health or Yes, yeah, I, I think in fairness, you know, and, and, I, and I don't disagree with you at all, but I think when you are in a university or a college system, you typically choose modules that, you know, get you towards your major field of study. And I know, you know, I, I, in, in nearly my 12 years of university, I mean, really, very seldom were you ever in a gym. Mm. Very seldom were you ever in a gym a doing gym. different uh, 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 modalities of training. It just doesn't happen as much. That vocational experience really isn't there. And I like to think that maybe at some stage it will, especially in these larger universities that really can accommodate, you know, full gymnasiums and whatever, but it really isn't. You know, most of the stuff is theor theoretical base. There might be a little bit of theor uh, practical application, excuse me, but there really isn't a lot. So I do understand. I really, really do. I mean, I learned more about our profession after I'd left university. And a lot of it was trial and error and mistakes that, you know, quite frankly, I wouldn't want anybody else to repeat. But it was a learning experience that I can now call on to tell you guys and girls uh, as my students and fellow colleagues, hey, let's not go there because this is going to happen. And so, you know, it's uh, something that I can hand down. Mm. Speaking, speaking of that, Chris, like what are I know you shared with us some of the, the common things to look out for in the industry. What were some of those things that you would want future fitness professionals to avoid or to avoid making the mistake of? I think this, do not be cocooned into a one-dimensional mindset to think I'm just going to train this subgroup. So when people come here and say, yeah, when I leave here, Chris, I just want to train professional sportsmen and women, but I'm sorry, there's not enough to go around. So if you are mm. coming here with an attitude or a mindset like that, you're not going to be very, very successful. If you look at the very, very small percentage that are sports people, uh, really, they've probably very got their own personal trainers and whatnot. So there's not going to be any for you to train. Embrace the fact that we are the best exercise prescriptionists mm -hmm. for the vast general population. Okay. Oh, exercise prescriptionists for the vast majority. Oh my gosh, Chris. We are. Like, I am just like, I'm just like, I don't even know, like, people, if you guys are listening, I'm just like fanboy right now. My hands are going crazy. <laughs> I am just in awe of this moment. And, you haven't got um, a British flag, have you? British flag! <laughs> hey! <to> <laughs> <laughs> represent, represent. 
And uh, Chris, well, I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Uh, because in Hawaii, well, I'm, I'm sure all over the globe too, but particularly on our island and in our state, we're surrounded by a whole bunch of CrossFits. And in fact, we actually have a CrossFit that opened up like maybe like what, Tyler, four doors down, four or five doors down. And, and they've been there. We have a whole bunch. What are your thoughts on CrossFit? I remember back in seven, eight years ago, we were talking about the the dangers of the rhabdomyolysis. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what are your thoughts, Chris? I think in fairness, Jim, I prefer to have a CrossFitter in my corner any day than somebody who sits on there uh, behind and eats donuts, drink beer and stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to get that out there. Yeah, Absolutely. I think they've also changed and they've evolved, to be fair. I mean, you've got to give credit where credit's due. So their exercising programming is now much more structured than ever before. Okay. Uh, I think they are, uh, you know, starting to really get a handle of how they periodize stuff and how they have different tier systems for different categories and abilities. And that in itself, they didn't have when they fought, well, in their foundational years, they didn't have it. And that's why, you know, uh, some research alleged that indeed, you know, people were getting injured and so on and so forth. I mean, that's very, very hard to prove cause and effect once again. But uh, they've come a long way, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, Back in the day, was I a fan? Well, not by their volume of training that they were doing, not by the fact that their periodization and their load and unload principles and the principles of the general adaptational syndrome, in my opinion, just wasn't there. You know, you can load your body so much, so frequently with such high volume, but ultimately your body will break, okay, if you don't have the foundation from which it's built on. But I think, you know, they've got a lot of things right, to be perfectly honest. And we can take, you know, a lot of lot of value from how they train. If you look at some of the research, some of the research suggests that their, their levels of metabolic acidosis or their lactate threshold is some of the highest there is, which means that, which means that you know, their blood pH levels stay between 7.35 and 7.45 when they're doing high-intensity vigorous activity, whereas everybody else's is going below that threshold and we're starting to feel that burning sensation. I think back in the day, people used to equate that with lactic acid accumulation. We now know it's called metabolic acidosis due to uh, the hydrolysis process of an ATP molecule. But things have changed, and I think they've changed with it. In essence, if you get a crossfitter in your corner, you know that him or her is going to be good at everything, but great at nothing. And that's way, way better than not being good at anything. Yes. Wow. That is awesome perspective, Chris. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Tyler, well, oh, what's another question you had, man? Uh, another question I had is, uh, if there was one thing that you could change about how we generally educate people when it comes to like the general fitness or nutrition, what would be one thing you feel like you would want to change from your perspective? I think as teachers, we got to have a better perspective of people's learning styles, how people learn. I think, again, to use this word cocooned, we are very, very one-dimensional. So we as teachers are often not very flexible with how we deliver information. So, for example, you're trying to teach somebody how to do a squat exercise, but this particular individual is really not getting it. And so you're doing your tell, show, do, and you still, and this particular individual is still having problems with doing it. So... We have to be able to fall back on a multitude of different teaching ideologies, philosophy, whereby we can actually tap and it says, okay, well, this system didn't work for you, but I can teach it to you this way. 
Okay. If you go back and you look at something called uh, Gardner's Multiple Intelligences, they will tell you there's a multitude of different ways by which people learn. We often feel that because people can't do something or get a grasp of it, that they're not necessarily the most intelligent. But it's not their fault. It's our inaptability to deliver it in a way and construct it in a way that's best conducive to their learning. All right, awesome. Wow. So a couple other questions I had. Um, for you personally, a lot of times, a lot of your upbringing was very natural, very holistic because of the fact that you were on that island growing up. Other question, um, did you ever have a time when coming to America that you had any difficulties or any kind of like culture shock when you first initially came here? I think if I'd left St. Helena directly, which has got 4,800 people to come into America where you have multitude of millions, it would have been. But my transition was from St. Helena to England to do my education and my studies where I met my wife, we got married and had kids, and then move over here. So I think it kind of laid the foundation and kind of prepared me. I think if you talk to any Brit that kind of immigrated, they said the hardest thing was driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's the same problem my parents had for moving from Japan to here, driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> uh. I mean, we are culturally different, though. I mean, our sense of humor, we are culturally different in, in a multitude of different ways. I make no mistake. But, yes. you know, when you make a decision to come here to live, you embrace the culture and you embrace everything that goes with none. my family and I absolutely love it here you know we're uh, we're american for sure mm -hmm. that's and awesome. tyler yep go ahead tyler uh i guess one last thing uh if there's one thing that you wish you had known at a younger age would there be anything that comes to mind Oh, wow, tyler you are pulling them out of the bike i hope my memory and my recollection is good. Uh, one of the things, I don't think that my education in college many, many years ago, at university many, many years ago, really fully equipped me of how to deal with a multitude of different personalities. When you are dealing with such a diverse culture and spectrum of people, you yourself have to be like a chameleon with regards to your personality traits. You have to be able to change at any moment and any time, given the circumstances that present themselves. So I think when I first came on board uh, way, way back in the day, I don't think I was fully prepared for that. And you know what? I've been tired more often than not from being psychologically and emotionally tired than from being physically tired. That's the emotional drain that personal training takes on you. And people, I don't think, fully realize that. Because you yes. are, are you not? You know, people are telling you everything that's transpiring in their mm -hmm. life. You are their release mechanism. <laughs> whether you want to hear it, whether you want to hear it or not, they're going to tell you because they think it's your job to listen. So, you know, that's why when I, when I uh, first get you guys here, I always say be prepared to section up your head and your brain <laughs> so you compartmentalize different things in different units. Okay. I remember that. And you move on. Yeah, I don't think you can repeat <laughs> on air what I said, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's so true. You know, I remember you telling us that when, maybe right around we were about to graduate and finish, and you were saying, like, you have to be a people person. And me and Tyler were talking about that. You have to be a people person. 
Absolutely. And I remember thinking that, like, wow, I wonder what it's going to be like. And you are 100% correct. Like, I mean, it, it really is a lot of listening. And it's yeah. like, wow. Like, you're right. The psychological and emotional side is way more than the actual, like, physically, like, demonstrating. And so 100% agree. And what you've been saying for the last, you know, five, 10 years, or as long as you've been saying that is so true, Chris. And wow. So wrapping up, Chris. I was just wondering. So this is a fun one. The the shaka. Are you still holding the shaka correctly? <laughs> I'm doing this, boys. I'm hey. not sure if it's right. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Feel free to correct my technique at any time. But yeah, hey. I, I do this. Even my kids do this. Okay. Hey. There we go. Wait. So is shaka an 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 England thing too, or was that just like? No. Uh, it, it it only kind of I guess it emanated since I met you guys down here. Hey. And everybody else is doing this. <laughs> And yeah, I thought well, that's up. a boring thing to do, so I started yeah. doing this because I'm an island boy too. And then, <laughs> and then you guys would say, "Go this way," and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Yeah, it was just right. a fun thing to do. Yeah, absolutely so, love it, Chris. So wow. I learn from you guys just like you learn from me. It's a, it's a reciprocal <laughs> relationship we have. Okay, man, that's the humility, Chris. Love it. And um, so one of the last questions, Chris, we're curious because our model and we our trade is fighting sickness with fitness and we've helped people who are in their 60s 70s and 80s people getting off of medication uh, working with their doctors it's all of the things that you were talking about different ages genders all that and i mean i want to give this back to you because a lot of the thought process and the philosophy exercise and mindset come from that where it's not one dimensional it's it's we have a whole bunch of different tools for different people modalities and so we're curious as our last final question, what does fighting sickness with fitness mean to you, Chris Williams? It means that fitness is the panacea to life. If I used wow. to ask the audience at hand to get a sheet of paper, write down the word fitness in the very, very center, mm -hmm. and then write down everything negative about it, you would struggle. And that's because there is no negative with health and fitness. There ain't none. There might be some exceptions where people become very obsessive, you know, in the case of maybe people who are anorexic and things of that particular nature. But there is no negatives to it. So the fact that you have associated fitness with curing and or preventing and or reducing the risk of all these unsavory diseases that are largely preventable, within a contemporary society to me is a saving grace. So I'll leave it just like I started by saying that health and fitness, and in our case, fitness, because we're fitness professionals, is the panacea to life. If you don't currently have <laughs> fitness in your life, then you need to go out and you need to get it now. Wow. Because it will give you longevity, longevity of life, It'll yes. give you self-fulfillment. It'll increase your self-esteem, your psychology. You feel great about yourself. It'll help your social aspect. It'll help your economical and financial aspect. So there is nothing negative about it. Holy moly, Chris. That, that's it right there. That's the mic drop. Boom. <laughs> mic drop, boys. Oh, my goodness. And, Chris, you know, I want to just thank you so, so much for your time and energy and your constant continual commitment to striving for excellence. That's the one thing you always ingrained in us, continually striving for excellence. 
And I almost said it in your accent. <laughs> I love you. That I have so much respect. And I know people are probably thinking like, wow, like just because uh, I, I, I truly respect you. And for our audience, I know some of them are probably like, wow, I want to I learn more about Chris. You know, where can our audience find you? Uh, NPTI Florida website. Got I think it. it's NPTI Fitness Florida. Yeah, that's NPTI where you'll find Fitness. a bit more about me. If, you, if not, just go... Um, onto my Facebook page on Osteoblast Training LLC. Uh, I'm also, that's my field of expertise is in bone health also, apart from teaching health and fitness, but also in ending, you know, and I know, and I'm so very grateful for those kind words and I'm very, very honored. I really am. But just to let you know this, that you know what, the minute that you guys and girls walk to our door, our respect for you are immense. You have made a decision to entrust us with your education and certain aspects of your life. And for that, we are forever grateful. And so when you let us change you, nurture you, and develop you to become who you are today and help in any small way, I think that's just a wonderful thing. And for that, I am very, very privileged to have had you both here. And I'm very, very honored to be on your show today. And I wish you immense and huge success with your own fitness ideologies and principles because they are sound and they are what is needed. Dang, Chris. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Tyler, Serene, thank you also. And thank you guys so much, Chris. Tell, Wonderful. Tell, man, we got we to gotta come up to Orlando one day. And yeah. uh, man, like we, this is great. Just seeing you and man, my mind's blown. I feel have like a reunion. Let's have an early morning workout, hey? NBC hey, Orlando. there we go. How about that? I'm okay. all for that now. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's, Let's arrange do that. It. Okay. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And, Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. Thank God. God bless, guys. Take care. Hopefully, we'll touch base soon. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to this second episode of the Yadagita Podcast Show. For information about Chris Williams or the National Personal Training Institute, the information will be on the description of this episode. Make sure to tune in to every Monday for a new episode of the Yanagita Podcast Show. Thank you all so much, and I'll see you on Monday.